Hey there, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. Now, if you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review so your friends know that this is a show that they can learn from. Follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. Now, enjoy this episode. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. I'm not. I'm under the weather, Daniel. It's not going to get me down, though. I'm going to bring the A game. Couldn't today. tell by that soprano you just did. Falsetto. Wow. Uh, yeah, struggling. Oh, struggling. Struggling a little bit with a little. Uh, had to hit the Z pack at the old uh, urgent treatment center. <sighs> that come out of your emergency fund, or how to nope. manage that? Accrued medical. Hmm. Yeah. So you set aside a little bit. 89 bucks to see the urgent treatment, but I had to get it done because I was hopping on a flight the next day. Couldn't wait to get in to see my doc. Uh, so hopped on over to the uh, the little clinic over at the Kroger. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because I, you know, I, I know I'm going in there and I'm trying to get a Z-Pack because I know that I got to have a Z-Pack. So I'm getting on a flight, about to travel for a couple days, and it's like rolling the roulette wheel. It's like, okay, are they going to, is this what they're going to give me? Is this what they're going to give me? And she says, you know, based on what you told me, I'm going to go ahead and prescribe a Z-Pack. And I'm like, yes! Z-Pack. Woo! Z-Pack. Boom. Did my trip. All good. All right. Let's get right into it. Enough about me and my We're not medical. sponsored by Z-Pack, by the way. <laughs> we should be. <laughs> no. I don't even know who makes them. No clue. All right. You're, are you with me today? You I'm got here. your A-game or what? I see no coffee. Uh, uh, yeah, but that's a homebrew. It's a homebrew. Uh, I see you got the sparkling, though. I do. Italian sparkling wine uh, from Whole Foods. It's homebrews from, uh, it was roasted up in Maine. Why are you looking at your Invesco cup I don't know. to see what that, that's going to tell you it nothing? It made me think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he's looking at his tumbler that says Yeti. nothing on there. It's nice and warm. To tell me. I wish you could see this, but it's podcasting, so you can't. Hey, can we get into our question, Daniel? Stop rambling on. I guess. Maybe we Gosh. should start doing videos so people can see the uh, It's on the nice. list. Oh, boom. Christy, new intern starting. In the next week or so, she's about to bring the marketing game. Derek's still here. Derek's still rocking and rolling. Derek, now Christy, team of four. We've just increased 100%. Well, no, I'm going to include uh, Steve into our into our uh, crew. Yes. So we went from three to five. Steve's what is been that? here a while. Is that 67% increase? From three to five? Yeah. That's two on three, so that's, yeah, 60-some percent, 66 point. I'll let you plug it into the calculator while I get to the question. This is a good question about investing. We're going to get a little weeds here, but I love it. What's your question, Kala? D-I-Y! Hey, Quentin Daniel. I am 31 years old with 30-plus years before retirement, so my portfolio is 100% stocks. 70% U.S., which is comprised of 40% small cap value index and 30% S&P 500 index, and the remaining 30% is in a total international market index. Specifically, I'd like to know your thoughts about the international piece. Is 30% enough? There are many schools of thought around international allocation, with one side advocating global diversification and the other side arguing US companies receive many of their revenue and growth overseas. I am personally on the side of global diversification, but would like to know your thoughts, and if you have a specific international percentage goal. I like getting in the weeds a little bit, uh, but I want to I want to see what your thoughts are on here, Daniel. What would you relay? And uh, I'll add some thoughts, and we'll wrap this sucker up pretty quickly today. What you got? All right. So uh, 
you made a few really good points here. Uh, one, adding in international diversification. Uh, the, you alluded to it in your question, but it is helpful from a portfolio allocation standpoint from uh, the purposes of when you're adding in diversification across sort of, in this case, it's geography. Uh, the point of that is to have something that's zigging while something else is zagging. It's basically to reduce the overall volatility in, in your portfolio. So, uh, for instance, you could just invest in the S&P 500 for your entire stock uh, allocation, which for you is 100%. Uh, so you could feasibly do that. I'm not saying that's a recommendation, but you could. Uh, that's an option. Uh, you could invest uh, in the Dow Jones uh, 30, yeah, the Dow Jones index. You could invest in the NASDAQ. You, you can invest in anything. Uh, what adding in other investment does, whether that's investing in large caps and small caps, whether it's investing in value and growth or in U.S. and international, is it, it's giving you uh, exposure to things that are going to move at different rates. And the idea behind that is that, for instance, if the U.S. stocks go up for three years and international stays flat, uh, the dollars that you're putting into that over time are going to buy less and less of the uh, U.S. and more and more of the international. And then hopefully, or the theory goes, that eventually as the U.S. slows down and or goes down, international may go up and and then vice versa will happen. Uh, you'll start to uh, buy less of the international and more uh, of the U.S. domestic stocks. And that over time, you're basically going to get uh, smooth returns. This is the fish portfolio theory that somewhere uh, on a this basically curved frontier is a sort of for your risk level, uh, a perfect allocation. Now, the hard part is, is you're essentially forecasting returns in the future. So you're looking at historic returns and historic volatility to go, if we mix enough of these together and they perform how they have historically, which there's never any guarantee of, then going into the future, this should be efficient. Well, we don't really know that. So the goal is to add in enough diversification of things that'll zig and zag at different times, or to pick a fund that, you know, represents what your life is exposed to. For a lot of people, that's the S&P 500. So that was a really long-winded way to say that's what you're going for with diversification. So if you're going 70% US and 30% international, you're just trying to smooth out the volatility in your account. That means that you will never achieve the quoted return that you see on like CNBC or Yahoo Finance. You will never achieve the quoted return of the S&P 500 if you diversify because you're not invested in the S&P 500. You're diversified across different things. You will probably receive slightly less or slightly more over time. And your volatility should, in theory, be a little bit less than that. Now, you alluded to a great point, that is that U.S. companies are highly exposed internationally. So, for instance, Apple gets about 65% of its overall revenue. I believe it's 65% still. might be creeping up towards 70. But a massively large portion of its revenue actually comes from uh, Apple product sales and service sales overseas to international countries. The theory would go that if those international countries are doing well, they're going to buy more Apple products. And if they're not doing so, how they're going to buy less. And therefore, Apple is essentially... You know, by buying Apple, you're exposing uh, 60 to 70 percent to the international, you know, markets and the remainder to the U.S. However, there is something to be said for actual international companies. Those companies that are based internationally and primarily sell uh, to their locale and/or are suppliers for manufacturers, even if those manufacturers are U.S. So it is good to add in a little bit of uh, international and emerging markets. Um, honestly, it 
probably early in life uh, where you are, getting into the minutia of what percentages uh, here and there are less important than your savings rate. So if you honestly run the math and you go, you know, should I be, um, you know, 70% U.S. and 30% international, or should I be 60% U.S. and 40% international, uh, because we don't know what's going to happen in the future, that percentage is theoretically less important than ensuring that your savings rate and your savings consistency are really what's working for you, That to make sure that you are continuing to save at a good rate and that you're continuing to do that month over month or quarter over quarter, whatever that works for you. So um, that's not really a bunt. I'm sure Quint will come back maybe with um, some other thoughts on that. But I, I wouldn't stress overly but, uh if I was going to err on one side personally, I would err on the side of investing where I live and where I'm exposed. Um, so I would want to make sure that for me, the majority, which would be, you know, uh, 60% or more is, you know, invested in my home country because I'm going to naturally be exposed to my home economy. That's not a recommendation, but that's what I personally would do. Lieutenant Dan, he got me invested in some kind of fruit company. And so then I got a call from him saying, we don't have to worry about money no more. And I said, that's good. One less thing. Okay, I'm 42. I got 12 years on you, caller. Uh, I keep saying that because we legitimately don't have his name. Uh, so I'm going to tell you what I wish I would have completely done for me. And you're going to go, no, wait a second, Quint. You've been in the business 20 years. Didn't you do everything perfect? Oh, my goodness gracious. I, I have made so many mistakes, it's not even funny. I have learned from those mistakes. I have gotten wiser with age. And thankfully, I'm going to invest over the next 40 to 50 years. And so I'm not going to make these mistakes again. I wish I would have done the following. I wish I would have only bought the S&P 500 and bought and held, because I oftentimes bought them, and then I sold very quickly, Key individual companies that I felt had incredible futures and I could value appropriately. So I understood the business. I could run, you know, anything from a very simple discounted cash flow, intrinsic value, et cetera, to compounding book value, whatever. So that includes the Apples, uh, Google IPO at 85 uh, that, I, that I had and traded. Uh, Facebook, we bought as a firm. Uh, bought it, what did we buy, 24, sold some at 60, sold some at 85, basically don't have any anymore. Uh, Daniel's done a much better job of buying and holding stocks over the long term than I have. I have always tried to get too cute, and that has hurt me. That has hurt me looking back. Now, I did that because I was always you know, trying to build a business, and my business and my personal life and my family's finances were always tied to the market. So I always had this psychological barrier where I didn't want to experience a big drawdown. This is a great example of someone's risk tolerance and risk temperament is totally different than their age-based risk. So I would say that earlier on in my career, I know this is, this is crazy because you're supposed to be taking a lot of risk. I hated risk. I did not want I took risk as a career. I did not want to take risk with my money. And in hindsight, that hurt me. So I can only tell you that I really... You know, it sounds like you're interested in it. You read a lot. You're listening to pundits. That's fine. But I don't think you should overcomplicate this. I, I really don't. You didn't mention anything about individual companies. I'm a, fa I'm a fan of that. I'm a fan of that when you have your basis of your index portfolio done and you're just, you know, dollar cost averaging, whatever it may be. The only thing I will share that has been helpful for us as a firm and, and uh, that I like to look at 
is to run some some hypothetical sort of returns of your asset class selection to get an understanding of what you would have done. So, for example, uh, you mentioned a, a breakdown that that sounds fine. I, I don't necessarily know where you got it, uh, et cetera. Um, but, you know, there's a big, a uh, lot of people have kind of moved over to the Ray Dalio all-weather portfolio approach. And he's got, you know, a lot of bonds, gold, and basically the total market index. So you can, that's fine, but but you have to sort of understand what these have done. And there's a great website out there called PortfolioVisualizer.com. PortfolioVisualizer.com. It's very simple to use. And there's a... Uh, there's an area on there you can backtest an asset allocation. Backtest an asset allocation. So my suggestion to you, caller, is that if this is the way you want to go, don't guess. Look at 80 years of data, 100 years of data, to not only see what the rate of return was, but to see what the drawdowns were. Can you handle that risk? Are you okay with that risk, et cetera? In addition, be very aware that a lot of international funds, even index, has higher fees than do the domestic index uh, funds that you're probably using. So you have to factor that in. And you can use uh, a, a fee calculation tool uh, that's out there, Morningstar, et cetera. But you can also in, include that in your portfolio visualization um, backtest. You can, you can look at that. So I would suggest, again, whatever you decide to do, it's fine. I mean, I'm not. I, our current allocation is around 12% international. It's six and six between emerging market and international. Not a recommendation. That is not a recommendation at all. But that's what fits for us. That's what fits for our clients and what we like to do. It's not a recommendation. You have to find your own. But again, I've got 12 years on you, and I wish I would not have overthought it. I, I just can't. I cannot stress that enough. I wish I wouldn't have overthought it. I would still own all the great stocks that I had. And I would have a massive position in the S&P 500. And I'd just be cruising right along. All-time highs. Overthinking. Overthinking. So, you know, look, you can't second guess. You just have to keep moving forward and make better decisions in the future. And if you're taking control of the range, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. And that's okay. What's not okay is not learning from those mistakes. So that's the encouragement. Whatever you decide to do, no problem. Make sure you're comfortable with the back test. You're com you know, you've got a, a solution. But don't change it next week. Don't change it next month. Don't listen to another pundit and change it again. Do not do that. Find something that works for you and stick with it and don't overthink it. Great call. Derek will reach out to give you your $25 e-gift card for Amazon. If you're new to the show, this is, this is uh, you know, it's driven by you. Your questions are what creates the content for this show, which is awesome. Uh, and so the way you get uh, your question on the show is to send us a voice memo on your iPhone or your Android, and you can just drop that to podcast at DIYmoney.org. Podcast at DIYmoney.org. Uh, we're, you know, a few weeks out with each question, so don't get too antsy. We are responding the minute we get them, though. We learned that lesson. Uh, we'll respond and let you know we got the question. Uh, and some of them taking a little research, and some of them we're just not going to answer. Uh, they may be out of our expertise or, or you know, a question that, we don't feel is appropriate for the show, and that's okay. Uh, but if we do answer it, we're going to send you a $25 e-gift card. Check us out on Instagram, DIY.money. That's DIY.money. Or Twitter, at DIYMoneyQ, at DIYMoneyQ. Remember, friends, the secret to wealth is very simple. Live on less than you make. 
Invest the rest, find a good allocation that works for you, and do so for a very long time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.